My brothers and my sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The Pharisees went off and plotted how that they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the, Caesar, the census tax to Caesar or not? Know their malice. Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. What really belongs to God? Our world is challenged by that question today. And back in the day of Jesus, it was a question too. Money and taxes, who should pay? Things haven't changed. A little history. King Herod and his sons had created coins to forbid any human or divine images on them. They usually had abstract images and they had the year and the weight of the coin. And to pay the Roman taxes, they had the Emperor Caesar on them. The Jews felt that it violated the Torah, the Jewish law. They felt that it was making the emperor look like a god. So it divided everyone in the day of Jesus. The disciples of the Pharisees did pay the tax. They went along with it. And today's gospel, they sh we see how they tried to trick Jesus into getting into the debate. Is it lawful to pay the tax to Caesar, they asked. But what they were really asking, is it our obligation to be to the emperor more important than our obligation to God? And what Jesus saw, and it goes much deeper than just a coin and an emperor's face on that coin, he saw that the focus on Roman wealth and power was overwhelming the people. And it made him have a weaker faith in God. He saw a division among the people. He saw that their hearts were divided and that they can lose focus. Division, divided hearts. We divide over almost everything. Possession of material things. Families have fights over inheritances and property. And even worse, they divide over family relationships. And even we divide over children. 
We divide over fears, over prejudices. We build borders among us and we divide among ourselves. Division causes hurt, it causes brokenness. And some of these divisions that we have, they never leave us and they stay with us for years. That's not the message of this gospel. That's not the way of God. Our first reading tells us that God is the one. He's called us by name, but he's the only one, and there is no other. We sing that the Lord is honor and glory. And St. Paul's letter <clears throat> tells us with faith that we need a faith of love and hope, and we're chosen to live with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit help us, helps us to endure the way of God. And we struggle with it. But I see hope. Yesterday was a pretty busy day, Tom. Father Tom, wasn't it? We had a busy day here of faith, hope, and love in this very building. We began the day with daily mass. And then at 10 o'clock, a wonderful, faith-filled family prayed at the 10 o'clock funeral for their loved one. And then at 11.30, I had the privilege of being with two beautiful young girls, six and nine, full of joy, asking that they be baptized. And then at 3 o'clock, Father Sinister and Father Tom witnessed a couple take their vows in the sacrament of marriage. There was no division in this building yesterday. Just love and lots of hope. Earlier this month, I did something that I had wanted to do for a while. I went on a pilgrimage to Spain. It's an ancient tradition, and it goes back 1,200 years, that people walk across Spain to go to the cathedral where the remains of St. James is. It's called the Camino. It's called the Way. I went with a group of 21 people from Glastonbury Abbey. <clears throat> people of all ages. Father Tim, my, my spiritual director, he's 85. Uh, Larry, 74, from Situate, walked with his two kids. Many abilities, <clears throat> many ages. Some go on foot. Some go on bike, <clears throat> and the terrain is difficult. It's not for the faint of heart. I found that out. It's rocky. It has inclines. There's paths, there's roads, there's sand, there's rocks. But it all leads to the cathedral. And when people hear of people that go on the Camino, the biggest question they have, are you crazy? Why would you do that? And each person, for their own reason, do it. And I think I never in my life had experienced in just 10 days is what Anne Lamott says is radical kindness. People from all backgrounds, all kinds of challenges, people with unimaginable hurt and brokenness and sadness, people who had many divisions in their lives for those 10 days that we were together, and in some cases, some people do it over 30 or 40 days, 
They have a common bond. They have a mission. And they find radical kindness along the way every step we took. And I saw the best of humanity. I'm going up a hill. And at the top of the hill, there was a guy who probably saw me panting a little bit. And he came over to me and said, are you okay? I said, oh, of course I'm okay. He says, I, I'm from Russia and I'm a doctor. And he had all the stuff he could take my blood pressure. I didn't need it, but it was there for him to just step out, a Russian doctor, to say, I'm there to help you. Two women from Connecticut walking with a young man from South Korea. We met a couple from Poland and Germany and a man walking alone from Canada, Ireland, France, Spain, Detroit, Michigan. And I met this Minnesota mother and daughter who were proud to say they were walking the Cappuccino Camino. That's kind of the short Camino that you go to a lot of cafes, but you walk. You're not going the 500 miles. We went somewhere in between. The amazing 10 days, what I saw was an abundance of God's grace. I, taught, I saw and touched God through the people that I met. All different levels of faith, lots of love, and with each step, each step for the 15 to 10 miles a day we did, the eight hours, we walked. We walked and we had lots and lots of endurance and lots of hope. And we got to spend uninterrupted time, unfiltered time in prayer. And in a lot of cases, as you walk, you walk alone, and you walk in silence. And maybe for an hour, there's no one walking with you. Everyone goes at their own pace. I think in our lives, we go at somebody else's pace. And this was the first time I went at my pace. So here's our faith lesson. Guess what? You don't have to go to Spain to, to, to have and feel what I just told you. You can take along the trails of nature, and I did it yesterday. I had a rough week this week, and I just said to Kathy, I said, I'm going out to World's End, and even though they shut the parking, they let me through, and I just walked. Because if you think about it, your walk can be your prayer. You walk either on the ocean or in the trails or even in your cul-de-sac up your street with the dog. It leads to prayer and it leads to time with God. So back to the original question. What really belongs to God? We do. Not our things, not our personal possessions, not our material things that are in our lives. What really belongs to God is our undivided hearts. And these faithful hearts are full of lots of love and endure lots of hope. One, two, three. <laughs> Thank you.